Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, WiseWomanSchool.com. You can also just go to her website, SusanWeed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca, and welcome, Catherine. Hi, Susan. Hi, 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 everybody. Hello. Uh, Hello, Catherine. About a year ago, I was looking around 
continuing to look around for a publicist to work with to help promote Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines. And if you've ever looked around for a publicist, you are probably well aware that they're extremely expensive. As a matter of fact, you could you could buy a very good used car or a not-so-good new car for the amount that a single publicist to work for you for three months would cost. And Justine and I were talking about this, and, and kind of at the same time, we looked at each other and we said, instead of hiring one person for all this money, why don't we hire a bunch of people and spread the money out? over a lot of lives. And we both liked that idea so well that Justine put a notice up. And wow, there were almost two dozen women who responded and said, yes, I would love to help you promote and publicize abundantly well. And we said to each other, this is great. You know, the ones that really can do it, and only about 12 of them actually could do what we wanted, and we'll hire And then we'll kind of see, you know, what happens. And of those women, one of the very, very best was Catherine Bickford, who, as you can see, has gone on over this year to assume more and more responsibility, which we are extremely happy about. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Catherine tonight. And um, Rebecca, is this your last night, or are there going to be a couple of shows where it's you and Catherine together? Um, I'm hoping that Catherine's going to be able to take over for next week, as I have something planned next week. So um, we're going to see how tonight goes, and I think that it it should be pretty smooth. The the show will be all set up next week for for you, Catherine, and um, all you have to do is get on here and open the line for callers, and so it should be pretty straightforward. Well, I am excited and honored, and I think that we will make it happen just perfect. And, Rebecca, I'm going to very much stay close in contact with you. You've been doing this for so long, and you're you're such a wonderful contribution to this. She certainly is, and both Catherine. I just love Rebecca. I love her. Both Catherine and Rebecca are moms. Rebecca, as you know from kind of overhearing, has two sons. Who are, let me see, they must be like, oh golly, eight and ten? Five and nine. Five and nine. (laughs) All right. And Catherine, you have how many children? Six children. Twenty-two, sixteen, eleven, eight, uh, going on four, and one years old. Wow. Yes, <laughs> she'll be one on April 2nd, oh, and I actually right. started working for you when she was right about a month old, mm. so for all the new moms out there that think, well, how are we going to you know, manifest something amazing, perhaps somebody like Susan Wee, such a blessing, will come your way, because it's their dig mine, and I'm so grateful. Yes, and this is partly because when I was a single mom, um, I couldn't really get a job, because the jobs demanded that I work 40 hours a week, and I actually, you know, appealed to one boss, and I said, look, here's my friend. She has the same qualifications. Hire us both for the job, and we'll guarantee you that one of us will be there every day, and the one who isn't is going to be taking care of the kids. And the boss looked at us and said, you're crazy. We can't do that. I thought it was a brilliant idea, but anyhow, the Internet has made it ever so much easier for moms, single or otherwise, to uh, get a little work in when the children are not uh, 
Meeting Moms Assistance. So welcome, Catherine. I'm sure that as the weeks go by, we will learn more about you. But I think that the the listeners um, like that Rebecca can talk about young children from personal experience. And what I'm establishing is Catherine can too. So uh, don't feel, don't feel like our direct link to childhood has has gone. In fact, here it is revived and revitalized with Catherine. Wow, how exciting! And how exciting that we get to talk to Anne Zatz at nine o'clock my time, about an hour and a half or so from now. And she is one of the founders of the Multicultural Peyote Way Church of God. Wow, she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Zoology, Hmm. and she comes from a very musical family. You are going to really enjoy hearing from Anne tonight, so stay with us or come back at 9 so that you can hear me talk to Anne Zapf. So what mm-hmm. have you been up to this week, Rebecca? Um, I've been working with all of my my herbs and uh, hanging with my kids, and um, things are starting to really start like blooming here and coming up out of the ground. So that's pretty exciting. And um, yeah, and tonight, I've as I've been digging around through some of my family history, I've discovered that I have some native blood from that area of the of the um, United States. And so I'm excited to hear from her and I've been like wanting to go explore that area. So I kind of like, hmm, I wonder if that's one of the stops I want to make when I go down there. And <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. Most yeah. intriguing. Mm. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it was hidden from me for, because my grandmother was very ashamed of having native blood apparently. And she hid a lot of stuff from our family. And, um, as I'm digging around, it's, uh, it's just been really, um, yeah, I, I wish I had more of a connection to it. So I feel like, you know, like kind of digging in there through like that avenue of personal experience would be, um, enlightening, especially like being down in that area. Yes. The mm-hmm. the cultural acceptance of people from very different backgrounds being together has expanded so much over the times of our lifetimes that it's really hard to even imagine the kind of f- actual fear as well as shame that our grandparents felt if they were in a mixed relationship. In other words, were not in a relationship with someone who was exactly like them, even my parents one being Catholic and one being Jewish, faced very steep odds culturally because of that. Again, you know, something that that we don't think nowadays would have that much importance, but certainly did then. And you're not the only person whose grandma has kept it from them. There's uh, native blood, native lineage there as well Mm -hmm. as other things going on. How wonderful that, that, in fact, you were able to find that out. Yeah, well, through DNA testing and then also, like, discovering where she was born and then um, just uh, the DNA testing connected me to a whole bunch of people, though, that had also gotten tested. And um, so I got to see exactly kind of pinpoint, like, where where um, all that came, where the, that blood came, that bloodline came from, yeah. So, but, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And, yeah, she also, you know, it's like, 
it, it's interesting how that pattern of like hiding like uh, became so prevalent in her in her life because she she then lived with a woman like for the last like 15 years of her life and when I would sleep over there I would always sleep in the bed with her and her partner but like she would never claim to be a lesbian and was like very um, also hid that so it's just very you know like how those patterns get instilled of like having to hide and not be truly who you are and we are very lucky now to live in a time where we can be who we are and be truthful and honest about who we are getting more truthful getting more honest absolutely how Mm -hmm. amazing how how much has changed over over as i said over just three generations Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, one of my um, friends said that something was going on with her eye, and I said, well, put some fresh chickweed on it. And she said, I don't have any. I said, well, then walk over here and get some from my garden. That's that's about all that's really up, though, is the Stellaria media. Even the nettle is not. But when Justine and I were in Costa Rica this January, we went to the Ark, which conserves 1,600 medicinal plants, and she bought a nettle plant um, and a dandelion as well. And I almost poo-pooed it. I'm like, uh, uh, what, what? And she said, but I don't have these things. They don't grow on the Nicoya Peninsula. I'm like, well, are they going to grow? And within a week of getting the dandelion home and transplanting it, it started to bloom. It was so happy. And the nettle is now blooming in Costa Rica where Justine planted it. It's so happy. She said initially it was attacked by worms, but it got over that, and now it's a very happy nettle plant. Oh, my yeah. nettle, and all the- my nettle has not even dared to push its little purpleness up through the ground yet. Yeah, mine. I've already been eating some of it. I've already made some nettle soup, and I have one nettle plant that was a different variety. I'm not sure what variety it is. I haven't keyed it out, but um, it 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 never really died back during the winter. So it's like it was. It's tall. It was like up towards my knee already. So wow. <laughs> okay. I know we had a mild winter here so it's like things are growing like like not it's not normal so yeah 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 Yeah, we we had that i I am not sure that winter is yet totally gone although of course it is officially spring but there will i suspect there will be some pretty darn cold weather yet to come our way so don't yeah there's no don't put your scarf and your fuzzy boots away yet (laughs) <laughs> There's actually snow in the forecast this week here, so it's like it's going to go back uh-huh. down. But yeah, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? Though. All right. Um, let's see. We have several people on the line. If you have a question for Susan, please press one to speak with her. And um, yeah, Catherine, do you have any words that you'd like to say before we go to our caller or Susan? Yeah, in Alaska, we still have what Susan referred to as poor man's fertilizer, which is snow, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> we have a couple feet. So yeah. nothing is cooking up yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Every snowflake develops around a tiny bit of dust or dirt, which is minerals. Yes. And so it brings all of those minerals. And the same is true of raindrops, too. They have to coalesce around mm. a little bit of mineral. And they bring that mineral then back down to earth. How exciting. I love how yeah. it works together like that. We can just trust it mm-hmm. and just flow with it. Yeah. Yay. Mm-hmm. Celebrating those first uh, first plants of spring. 
is a wonderful thing to share together. But up in Alaska, Thanks, there once, once your plants get get going, they're going to grow faster than ours. Right, they really, really boom. Um, the yarrow and things are amazing. How big they get! We get the rain all summer. It's mm. quite nice. I'm looking forward to my dandelions, though. I'm used to Alaska now. This time last year, I was like, oh, I really need the green. But this time, my patience has kicked in. (laughs) But nothing like dandelion to be a reward for good patience. Those first things coming up are such a treat. Yeah. My first far north garden, I went out and started shoveling the snow off of it May 1st. I said, enough is enough. That's it. And, of course, within the (laughs) week. This is true. And within the week, all the rest of the snow had melted, right? But it made yes. me feel good to go shovel it. <laughs> oh, yes. And you do get those maize up here. I've had a lot of the – there's yep. a tremendous amount of gardeners in my community, ladies that have been gardening um, for generations up here. And they'll say, sometimes you're going to have a may that you're going to shovel that snow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll think of you, Susan. I'll send you a photo of me out there with my scarf saying, to heck with it, we're gardening anyway. We're gardening anyway. There you go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. I can see we have a lot of callers. We have a lot so, of callers. Good. All right. Let's get started then. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, um, I'll go ahead and say the first caller is coming from the 949 area code. Hi. Hello. Hi. What's up tonight? Hi. Um, I was just calling because I have Hashimoto's, and with this whole coronavirus thing going on, I was wondering if there's any um, herbal allies you suggest for strengthening my immune system. I'm not entirely certain that you want to strengthen your immune system. Okay. Let's look at coronaviruses in general. Coronaviruses are colds and flus. And there are hundreds of different coronaviruses. What makes this one special is that we haven't seen it before. Yeah, Other sorry coronaviruses um, we've seen. So we say, oh, yeah, it's that one. Oh, yeah, it's that one. This is a novel one. It means that nobody has any resistance to it. So what happens when a virus enters your body? is that your immune system gets ready to deal with it. And your immune system deals with it by, first of all, causing you to run a fever because viruses can't replicate as well when you're running a fever. In the flu epidemic of, um, what was it, 1917, I think, the people most likely to die were the people with the strongest immune systems. Huh. Because that very strong immune system causes such a pitched battle with the virus that it actually kills you. Mm -hmm. So have you been reading about what actually is killing the actually few people who are dying from the coronavirus? It's still well under 10% of the infected people who are dying. Nothing like Ebola where it's close to 95%. Yeah. 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 So, So what is killing the people who are dying? How are they dying? Like pneumonia. Um, pneumonia. Like okay, so that's a bacterial infection, right? So the immune yeah. system is after the virus, and it lets its guard down about bacteria. That doesn't mean that the immune system is weak. 
Okay. All right. And um, liver failure? Yes, I did hear that too. Okay. Organ failure. And again, those things can come about from having a very strong immune system. Okay. Because my uh, naturopath doctor, he had recommended that I take 10,000 international units of vitamin D, vitamin A, and 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C. I know it's too bad that naturopaths are basically trained to dispense drugs. I feel that way. And, you know, they're all drugs. There's nothing natural at all about any of those. Nor have any of them been shown to have any effect against any cold or any flu, any coronavirus at all, ever. Okay. I was I drink stinging nettle, so I kind of looked it up to see. I mean, there's a lot of vitamin A in stinging nettle, so I was thinking that should be fine. As long as I'm drinking a quart of that a day, I should be good. That sounds pretty good. It's okay. you cheat yourself if you just drink stinging nettle, though. So if I'm currently taking ten thousand international units of vitamin D, why would that, you do that? I was I had low vitamin D. I moved up to Oregon from Southern California, and um, my vitamin D was low. And with my Hashimoto's, they said they needed to get my vitamin D levels back up. So I've been taking that for like six months now. I feel like. And where's your vitamin D level now? Well, I'm supposed to get tested in like a month, so so they I wanted guess, me to wait. I guess they don't think it works very fast. I, yeah, which was kind of unusual to me. I was thinking cod liver oil would probably be a better option for me because it has vitamin A and it has, you know. I think the sun C. would be a better option. Yeah, but the problem is up here is there's a lack of that. Where? How far north are you? Um, I live in Medford, Oregon. So it's above the, just above like an hour above the California border. You actually take a globe and put your finger on Medford and then spin the globe, your finger would wind up in Spain. Okay. It's not that far north. Think of everything that's north of you. All okay. of Washington State, all of British Columbia, Alaska, there's a lot of planet way above you. You are not anywhere near far north. Okay. You can get you can make plenty of vitamin D from sunshine. The real the, the real effective sorry. period starts March 21st. We're talking what? 2 weeks from now? Yes. So, so your most get out there. Your most effective <laughs> your most effective vitamin D making sunshine is from spring equinox to fall equinox. Perfect. And your body can make and store enough vitamin D to last for two years during that six-month period. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good to know. So if I have an issue with vitamin D receptors or something, my the nutritionist there was saying that's why he said I had to take so much because I questioned it. Obviously, that's a high number. So I'm like, why would I even need this much? But he swears it's because something to do with my autoimmune disorder and having an issue absorbing vitamin D. But I don't know how accurate that is. You say you have Hashimoto's. Has that Hashimoto's been treated in any way? 
um, in a few different ways. I had taken levothyroxine, which worked for a while, but then I had like this random unexpected weight gain of like 35 pounds out of nowhere. So I had a feeling it was the medicine and it was. So they switched it to nature thyroid, which is the pig desiccated pig thyroid. And then that started making my hair fall out. So then I just stopped taking it altogether. But then that didn't necessarily make it better. It made my TSH uh, get even higher, like up to like 80 or something like that. Oh, no, because that was when I was incorporating seaweed, but I did too much. I was I was drinking a full infusion of it, making them the way that I normally make nettle. And you were saying, no, it's like three grams a day is what you need, not 30. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So, so I'm thinking what I'm going to do is continue taking the T3. They have me only on T3 now by itself because they said I have a hard time converting T4 into T3. So they just started giving me T3 to supplement my hypothyroidism. And then I take vitamin D for my immune system and three grams of fish oil a day. Where are the scientific studies that vitamin D helps your immune system? Um, a lot of people have just said that the vitamin D has a lot to but there's no, there's no established. Let me tell you that I personally was a member of the VITAL study. The VITAL study was one of the largest studies of supplementation with fish oil and vitamin D ever done. And it, we were all healthy adults. And um, we were divided into four arms. One arm got vitamin D and fish oil. One arm got vitamin D but not fish oil. One arm got fish oil but not vitamin D. And one arm got neither fish oil nor vitamin D, although we each took two capsules every day. Okay. At the end of three years, there was no difference in health. There was no difference in sick days. There was no difference at all between the people who took the fish oil and the vitamin D and the people who didn't. Good to know. You're wasting your money. You're taking okay. drugs. If it's a pill, it's a drug. That's the way I feel about it. I don't feel like it makes I mean, I feel pretty good now. I feel like my energy is back up because it was really low. I mean, I couldn't do, I'd be singing my kids the alphabet and falling asleep halfway through. My adrenal glands are just taxed. But I feel like through drinking the nourishing herbal infusions these last few years and being consistent with them, I've definitely built up a lot of internal, my chi, you know, it's just up. I feel good again. I feel like I could do things like I used to before I got diagnosed with the Hashimoto's. So I know the nourishing herbal infusions are really the backbone of this for sure, like keeping me happy and feeling good. It's just the numbers, you know, when I look, when I get my blood work back, I'm just like, huh, it's not, it's not well yet, but maybe I just need to stop and just relax more, do more yoga, drink more infusions, but probably stay on this T3 supplement until my TSH, you know, is at the right range or something, and then just stop taking everything else, (laughs) no more vitamin D or vitamin or fish oil. I do spend a lot on it. It's like $50 for those two supplements at their location. quite expensive, and you could get a massage usually for that amount, and it would do you a lot better. I was actually thinking that, like, you know, a massage would be good, probably two a month would help me. Yeah. 
Or acupuncture. Yeah. What do you think about acupuncture? Okay, that's what I really feel like drawn to. Is yeah. I like stuff like that more energy work than pills. There I you guess. go. So I should probably go but, that direction, right? That makes sense. Right. Take care okay. of yourself, not your numbers. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate you. I hope you have oh, a good well, night. Let me let me just answer your original question. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sauerkraut has good scientific backing as the ideal way to help your body resist all coronaviruses. Okay. Sweet. Even as little as a tablespoon of uncooked sauerkraut on a daily basis can cut your risk substantially. Awesome. And this was, this was tried in like public settings like nursing homes and orphanages and places where, you know, those coronaviruses, which are very contagious, get passed around pretty easily. Should you yeah. think that you actually have a coronavirus, whether the new one or some other one, elderberry, again, has good scientific studies showing that it is very effective against the whole class of coronaviruses. And it helps to dampen down their replication so that your immune system does not have to fight so hard. Is there another option besides elderberry, too? Because the doctor was telling me that I'm T1 dominant or something, which means I have a heightened immune response. And certain things like elderberry, he was saying, were actually not good for me, even though they're good for other people. I didn't, but I didn't know if I should believe that. I was just like, but I've been using elderberry. I don't know. I feel fine. Didn't say use elderberry to prevent. I said, should you think you've gotten in contact with it, you could use some okay. elderberry then. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's different it's than not using it on a regular like, basis, right? Yeah. And okay. Now, when yeah. people tell you things like that, what I suggest strongly suggest is that you do not accept it. Yes. No, I never. That's why I call um, you. And you, and you, you tell me stuff, I still, you know, filter it through my filters. But, like, I'm paying money to see them, so I'm like, okay, this sounds okay, but I'm not a pill person. So I'm thinking as soon as my year is up with them, I'm probably going to say adios and just, you know, treat myself more massages and more <laughs> energy work and more. Paying to see someone does not mean you have lost your money if you don't do what they say. Yeah. Well, I feel like you if I really need them, then I'll pay the $50 extra for the visit. Following <laughs> their advice, does, you, you know, you don't have to pay any more to not follow their advice. Yeah. Honestly, with everything I've learned, I feel like I should have just stuck with everything I heard you say from the get-go and the way to eat, the way all of it, just not putting too many hands in the pot, spoil the soup. And I feel like that's where I was for a little while. But now I've circled back. Everything makes more sense. So thank you. I appreciate the little tip about sauerkraut. And I'm going to keep drinking the infusions and go ahead and kick the vitamin D in the fish oil because I could save $50 and go get a massage and just keep eating healthy. Yes. Wonderful. You take care of yourself now. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 818 area code. Hello? Hi. Hi, Susan. 
question. So I have a wonderful daughter and her mother that are calling from the 917 area code and really critical because she's had her spleen removed and she has trouble with her vagus nerve. And I've been trying to study this and I would like to get off the line so she can be in the queue, if that's okay with you. Because I have plenty, plenty of questions for you, but I, I would like to her be in line. So I'm going to hang up now, if that's okay with you. And I don't know about yeah, I see her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, 917. Really important, really critical right now, really critical. I don't know if Here, you can jump the queue. She's on right now, so... Oh, wonderful. And if, if you can keep me on as well, I would, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to listen. And it's Jamie and her mother, and it's exciting. This is exciting because we're going to do nourishing herbal infusions, and her mom can't eat. She can't keep any food down. So we're trying really hard to um, get her nourished right now. Yes. 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 All right. I'm so going to go you, ahead and uh, mute you for now, and we'll come back to you, okay? You, you don't even need to come back. Oh. <laughs> Okay. okay, you're there. Good. Hello? Hello. Hi, my name's Anne. Thank Hi, you for Anne. my call. You're um, welcome. So there is one little um, thing that's not true. I do have my spleen, but they ah. took my gallbladder. I have, um, I'm diagnosed with gastroparesis, idiopathic. Normally you have to be diabetic or have gastro surgery. And um, I've had it for two and a half years, and I have had an endoscope, a colonoscopy. I've had um, rheumatoid panels. I have no autoimmune diseases. I've had... um, I'm sorry, and you have idiopathic what? Gastroparesis, paralyzed stomach. Okay. So what happens is I eat food, and uh, it just sits in my stomach, and it kind of like ferments. And then I, you know, have indigestion, and I just throw up about 40 times. A debt. And I had a procedure which was called a G-POM, which is where they burrowed down the side of my stomach and gave me a new hole in my lower bowel, but it did not work. <clears throat> so right now I'm at the point where I've switched my insurance and I have a, a referral into Mayo Clinic. But um, I have a difficult time because I can't eat any fiber I can't even eat like a seed or a nut or any vegetables or the only thing I can eat is processed food, which I don't like. And it's not that I don't throw that up. I do. It's just less offensive. I understand. So have you taken any, anything that prevents nausea and vomiting? Yeah, I've, I've taken, I take pancitol. They've given me um, the anti-nausea. It doesn't do anything. Um, I'm on an antidepressant. And I don't know that I get any of my medicine. They have me crushing it up. They did take out my gallbladder, which they shouldn't have. Because when I went to that doctor, he said I normally wouldn't take it. But as a last resort, he took it out. So that's what I'm missing, my gallbladder. So you had the gastro the idiopathic gastroparesis, and then they took your gallbladder out. Mm-hmm. Thinking that it would help. <laughs> uh-huh, but it didn't. I'm in Florida, if that means anything. And how long has this been going on? Two and a half years. I just recently went last week, and I had to get all veneers put on my teeth because I'm starting to lose my teeth. 
And um, I was going to ask you if you've lost any weight in that two and a half years. No, I should have. I, technically, I should have lost weight. That is a symptom of this, but I do not. I gained 30 pounds, which is, I think, why my doctors don't pay attention to me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I so I worked with I worked with a, a woman who had a different situation, but very similar. Mm-hmm. And her situation was that she elected to have her intestines removed because of ulcerative colitis. Okay. And they basically removed everything. They left her with a very small piece of small intestine and a bag. Yeah. Her um, diet that, came extremely limited, as you're saying. Yeah. She suddenly found well, herself just unable to eat just about anything. Really, yeah. the only things that did not make her throw up were things like tiny amounts of pureed soups or bone broth. Yeah, I do um, little tiny meals, and it's usually it's an egg egg beater. Uh huh. Um, and it's not that I don't throw them up, but if say I put an egg in the pan and it's like it gets a little bit crispy, I will throw that up the whole day. Of course. And of course. Yeah. Um, I have severe constipation. I don't even realize it. I'll realize it like, oh God, it's been like fourteen days. You know, so that doesn't work either. So, well, um, uh, to me, that is working. If so little is going into your system, there's no need for anything to come out. Well, yeah, because it's all turning into fat on my body. <laughs> well, from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like your food is turning into fat. But what I'm what I'm um, getting at is that I suggested to her that she start drinking nourishing herbal infusions. And okay. she tried stinging nettle. And she found that um, it was very distressing to her, that it made her feel bad and it made her throw up. And what I had her do was to take her quart of nettle infusion and to put it in an ice cube tray and to freeze it. And Uh then day by day to thaw out on the first day one ice cube and have only that amount. And if okay. she was fine with that, the next day to do two ice cubes, and if that was too much, to go back to one. And as far as being too much, as far as, like, if she threw up or just she didn't yeah, feel Yeah, she good. threw up or she felt bad. Yeah. It took her about I mean, a I month. Within a month, she called and she said, I can now drink an entire cup of nettle infusion. And I want to tell you something that's kind of gross. I said, I'm an herbalist. We do gross all the time. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, well, you know, I... A little more in touch with what comes out of my body than most people because I have that bag right there. She said, and the nettle does not come out of my body as though it was liquid. It comes out of my body as though it were solid food. The thing about the nourishing herbal infusions is that they are taken directly into the blood. They do not need to be digested at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited and happy that your daughter says that the two of you are going to start making and drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Yeah, she's already got me some bone broth from Trader Joe's. And she's already got you some bone broth. Okay, just make sure that there's no preservative of any kind in there. And, of course, it's really easy to make your own bone broth. Right. And I'm glad that you have learned that tiny meals are what's best for you. 
Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I say I uh, got up in the morning and I drank ice water, I will throw up ice water. It doesn't matter what it is. It literally doesn't matter what it is. I completely but, hear um, you. So the option, the option again, the, the, other, more, the more that something that. happens, the more our body is primed to react that way. Mm-hmm. And so there's several things that we need to do here, and one of them is to change the story. Okay. And to change the story that because your body, because it, your stomach is not working well, your body is rejecting any food that requires the stomach to digest it. Mm-hmm. It's not a problem. It's a solution. Okay. All right. So it's not that your body is wrong or doing something wrong. It says, I, I simply can't digest it, so let's not even have it down here. Mm-hmm. This is why the nourishing herbal infusions are so stunning, because they don't have to be digested. They get to your stomach, and they go right into your blood. And even if you were to throw up, you're not throwing up the nutrition from the nourishing herbal infusion. It's already in your blood. Right. That's it, goes, it goes that quickly, usually in five to ten minutes. Okay. So if a warm liquid is better for you in the morning, have your infusion warm. And again, anything that you want to put in it that you tolerate is good. Sometimes honey is good. If it's not okay for you, it's certainly not necessary. But once your infusion is made, it can be strained. It can be heated up. It can be taken by the sip, by the spoonful. Mm-hmm. Very slowly, tiny amounts, holding it in your mouth, not even so much swallowing as just letting it trickle down your throat. Mm-hmm. Partly because your body now has a gag response to swallowing. So we want to relieve it of having to do that. When I'm in a situation where something has been going on for a long time, and I want to change it. The affirmation that I use is every day, in every way, I am getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Or every day, in every Positive way, thinking. I have less need to throw up. Okay. This helps me understand that there is a future and that the future is not the same as the present. Mm-hmm. And that change is slow and incremental. And that because I'm with it, it's like being a child. You never actually realize that you're growing until you notice your clothes don't fit. Mm -hmm. So in the same way, we want to give your body the ability to stop throwing up, to start getting good nutrition, and to then ultimately um, ask your stomach, What's the problem here? What are you upset about? Mm-hmm. That's sometime in the future, but it's something well, that, mean, that we could could get time, to. So I'm I, sorry. Um, it's been going on for a while, so I am. A, I do have a therapist because it's very frustrating mm-hmm. to live like this because I can't um, last anywhere. Like if I go to a birthday party, I'm never there for cake. You know, like that kind of stuff. I have to just kind of bow out. So I do have a therapist, and we talk about it, but I've been with her about two years. 
Uh-huh. And she uh I was with I, I generally do not drink alcohol. It doesn't do me any good at all. And I was with a, yeah, a small group of people, oh, four or five people, who had this special kind of liqueur that they were passing around. And I didn't want to go, you know, be in the other room. I wanted to be part of the group. I was there with the group. And nor did I want to make a big deal about the fact that I don't drink alcohol. Um, so when the liqueur came to me, I smelled it. And I took in the smell. Mm-hmm. And I really spent time with the smell, and I savored the smell. And I took about as much time savoring the smell as other people were taking, taking a sip of the liqueur, and then I passed it on. The next mm-hmm. day, someone came to me and said, well, you sure drank more than your share of that stuff, didn't you? <laughs> and this is what I mean about changing the story. You have mm-hmm. decided that you're not there for the cake. Why aren't you there for the cake? You can't smell the cake. You can't look at the cake. No, it's just that it, that's the duration of when, if I ate the dinner, that's about the amount of time that the stomach starts to ferment, create the gas, and then I start to throw up. I mean, I've been on the sides of balconies throwing up when people aren't looking, walking out, throwing up in the bushes. You know, it's just totally I totally understand what I'm, what I'm hoping to challenge is your poor me attitude. Okay. It's unbecoming. Mm-hmm. I don't feel sorry. I certainly no, understand that you are in a difficult situation, but you can be there for the cake. You can enjoy the cake. You can enjoy the sight of the cake. You can enjoy the smell of the cake. You can enjoy other people's pleasure in the cake. What I'm asking you to do is to stop seeing what you can't do and start seeing what you can. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't stop myself. I just got back from you know Costa Rica. I do what I can. It's not that I can't eat the cake. It's that I'm throwing up. The I didn't dinner. say anything about eating cake, did I? Did I say any, oh, anything okay. about eating cake? No. I'm talking about your attitude. Mm-hmm. And I only know from what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. I only know from our discussion here. And so far, your discussion has been, poor me. Oh, my. Poor me. What a drag. And I understand that. And I'm not saying that you should be thrilled. But what I am saying is... Let's turn this around. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to make yourself the way you were before, let's make you the way you are now, but bring pleasure to it. Mm-hmm. There's a story about a woman that I knew very, very briefly, and she was uh, you know, considered to be you know, this amazing, amazing woman. Her husband was incredibly wealthy, and they threw these parties, and she rode horses, and, you know, everything about her life was just, oh, exactly perfect, right? And then one of her horses threw her, broke her back, huh? and she was she wound up um, unable to to get out of bed, basically. And her husband left her. And it looked like her life was in ruins, and she decided that rather than have a bad attitude about what was happening, she was going to have a really good attitude, and she was going to make the absolute most of the life that she was now living because there was no going back. Mm-hmm. And she became known as the person to go to when you were upset because she was so serene. I'm not suggesting that you turn yourself into a guru, but I am saying that for all of us, that gratitude is the path to 
the life we want. Mm-hmm. And I wonder why it is you keep eating things that make you throw up. Oh, it's anything I eat. It doesn't matter what it is. It's everything I eat. It's water. It's well, it water is, is awful for the body. I never drink water. Water's terrible. I'm so glad you're not I'm drinking always water. Always thirsty. Always thirsty. I understand. And if you have, for instance, a teaspoon of ice cream, what happens? Um, it, it'll go down, but as soon as I have like something to drink, it starts. Then don't have anything to drink. I have this crazy thirst. I will drink 60. I understand you have a crazy thirst. When you get really thirsty, put your hands and feet in water. Okay. It's very important for you to keep things very simple for your body. If you can tolerate a teaspoon of ice cream, eat that teaspoon of ice cream and give it its own space. Do not crowd it. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like I'm saying with the nourishing herbal infusion, an ice cube, a teaspoonful, a tiny amount, and don't put anything else in there. Mm-hmm. And again, I only know what you are telling me. Well, what you're telling me sounds like you're trying to act like this isn't really going on, and you're I'm just going to eat normally, it. and then you're going to go throw it all up. Yeah. I'm and what I'm saying it, is, uh... wait, that's not, that's not you anymore. That's not possible. Mm-hmm. not helpful to you and worse yet it sets up a pattern vomiting is addictive I absolutely hate it <laughs> I understand that's your mm-hmm. mental take on it but your body is now addicted to it Right. most people who are addicted hate what they're addicted to without a doubt yeah but that doesn't it mean they're not so, addicted. It's so offensive. It's so gross. It's I, so... We have heard all of this. What we need to do, I think, and it's completely up to you, is to stop it. Do whatever we can to stop this addiction. And if that means eating a teaspoon of ice cream or a teaspoon of yogurt or a teaspoon of bone broth and then nothing else for the next half hour then do that right and that's what i mean by small amounts of food very small i kind of do i do very small amounts of food uh like eight times a day and i try to spread them out not not enough not enough 24 hours in a day you should be eating at least 30 times a day A teaspoonful of something every half hour. Right. I'll try. That, I'll try anything. That again will make it easier for you to not mix things around, but just have that whatever that one thing is. And then there will be the day, not too far in the future, where you have that one spoonful of it, and your body says, "You know what? I could tolerate a second one. Give me a second one right now." Just mm-hmm. like she did with the nettle. Right. So that gradually she built up her ability to drink an entire cup of nettle. Bit what by does bit, the do? slowly by slowly. All of the nourishing herbal infusions are important. I, of course, am very good friends with nettle. It's extremely nourishing and wonderful. But they're all 
excellent. And as you in, encounter them a teaspoon at a time, you may find uh-huh. that some draw you or attract you more than others, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. At this point, it would probably be unwise for you to force yourself to eat any particular thing. And what when you say processed food, what do you mean by processed food? Like white bread? Yep. I can't produce. I can't process fiber or seeds or nuts or vegetables or food or. Um, I I do throw up the eggs. It's just that it's or you know I don't eat white bread. I just can't bring myself to go that far. I eat uh, like a fiber wrap and an egg white. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a real big difficulty with those wraps. Have you read the ingredients? Um, this one's just higher in fiber. I haven't read the ingredients. The ingredients contain binders, which are lethal to you. It's really critical when the digestive system um, or the stomach is in such uproar that the only things that are taken in are actual foods. Mm -hmm. Again, a wrapper has maybe 20 different ingredients. What I'm suggesting is one ingredient at a time, one spoonful yes. of yogurt, one spoonful of nourishing herbal infusion, not not mixes of stuff. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so that, you, so that your body has the least possible work to do. And again, you're throwing up, you're not going to be able to eat a whole wrap. That's even a mouthful no, no, of that I is much for you. I don't eat a whole wrap. I couldn't. Even a mouthful is too much. It's too much. It's too many different ingredients just in the wrap, and then it's wrapped around stuff. Right. I try not to eat all day until I get to the point where I can't hold off anymore. I want you to eat all day. Yeah, I know. I want you to eat every half hour. That's what I'll do. I mean, I, I, I would love to eat, like, frozen grapes, but I can't eat grape skins or... You know, I just, my, so what I'm supposed to eat is very limited, so. I think that you will find, once you start working with the nourishing herbal infusions, and once you stop confusing your digestive system, that bit by bit, you will be able to resume eating some things. Mm Mm-hmm. And whatever you can't eat now, that's fine. But the more you tell yourself you can't eat it, the more that becomes the Ten Commandments. You know, like, I absolutely love salad, and I I can't eat it. And every once in a while, I think I can, and I love it. I eat it, and I, I just pay for it so I, so much. It just doesn't digest. And it just do makes you hear? Do you hear how your mind and your body are separate, and that you are not allowing them to work together? Yeah. Well, I I try. I, like I know I can't. So eat your mind now. says I love salad. Does your body say I love salad? Not anymore. <laughs> then why are you saying you love salad? It's not true. I miss it. Ah, now that is true. Mm-hmm. My mind misses eating salad. 
Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that there's no nutrition available in salad. It's raw no. food. Yeah. You can't get any nutrient value from raw food. I didn't realize that. Not the salad, but beans or carrots or, you know, any. any. No raw carrots. Any. Absolutely not. No, I, I can't. No. I wouldn't Nothing raw. And well cooked. Yeah. If you're going to eat a spoonful of carrot, that carrot will have been cooked for an hour. Right. I can't. I, yeah, I, I have a hard time even eating that. You, I'm in the past, to... you have had a hard time even eating that. But it may not be so in the future. Yeah. Unless you want it to be. No. And again, I'm offering you the opportunity to change your story. One of the things that I find effective that you may wish to do when there are so many of these, what my teachers call negative commands, I can't do this, I can't do that, is to get a, a book for those things. Mm-hmm. And when you say, I can't eat grapes, you write it in the book. I can't eat carrots, you write it in the book. And once you have written it in the book, you're not allowed to think it or say it ever again. Right. I mean, a lot of it I. Well, read your book that. anytime you want to, but once it's written down, it's gone from your mind. And if your mind starts to say, oh, I really miss salad, you say, excuse me, that's in the book. You don't miss salad. Let's go on. Yeah. I think it was probably two years since I had a salad. Thinking maybe, let's just be positive, you know. No, that's not that. being positive. That's being mean and cruel. Mm hmm. I think that's for it. making your body do what your mind says, and it's not nice. Yeah. Your mind needs to do what your body says. If they're not okay. working together, then the body needs to be predominant, and it will be, won't it? Yes, it will. So might as well just start there by saying, hmm, what does my body need right now? And just to reiterate, what I am suggesting is that what your body needs is Tiny amounts of food, a teaspoon to a tablespoon of one single food, not a mix of things, at a time. Initially, at least, that food should be very smooth. It should be ice cream. It should be yogurt. It should be, um, if it's anything like um, a a carrot or squash, it should be blended so that Mm -hmm. it's the consistency of baby food. Yes. And, you know, every half hour, at least every 20 minutes is okay if your body can tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And to let go in some <laughs> major way of what it is you can't. Because a lot of this conversation has been about what you can't. And I hear you and I have compassion for you. But what I'm saying is, Okay. All right, you can't. I have a friend who has multiple sclerosis, and she can't just about anything. She can't mm-hmm. scratch her nose. Yeah. But she doesn't focus on what she can't. Mm-hmm. And she's a real guiding light for me. I once said to her, if my body was behaving the way your body behaved, I would fling myself on the floor and have a temper tantrum. She said, oh, but you wouldn't be able to get up. <laughs> So I want you to listen to your body Mm -hmm. and to put your mind aside and 
if you can start to really listen to what your body would like because it will very, very clearly talk to you. And if you would be so kind as to call me back within a couple of weeks, I would appreciate it. I absolutely will, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And I will try anything. (laughs) All right. I'm so glad you have your daughter to help you. Thanks, Susan. Green blessings. Okay, bye. Thank you. And the next caller is coming from the 845 area code. Hi, Susan, can you hear me? Uh-huh. Hi, oh, because I'm sorry, I, I'm losing my phone. Susan, can you, I, you may have talked about this in recent weeks, but I was um, sick and I, I, I didn't get to listen to a couple of shows. I missed some. Um, would you, so forgive me if this is repeating, but I certainly would never use Purell. And I figure washing my hands is a good thing. Can you suggest a soap or maybe not for what we can do to take care of ourselves? I received um, something written by a woman who spent her life studying coronaviruses. Uh Uh-huh. And what she said is you don't need any soap. Really? Okay. Good. Right. So... Basically, what she said was, wash your hands, don't touch anything. Right. Don't touch a doorknob, don't touch the shopping cart, don't touch anything, wash your hands. And, um, you know, that makes a certain amount of sense. On the other hand, I think that the fear level is being blown up very disproportionate to what's going on. Truly. And your skin will fare better if you wash your hands without using soap, which really dehydrates the skin and changes pH balance. Right. Okay, great. I just wanted to make sure that that was good. I thought maybe you had a... Of course, what's especially important is to wash in between your fingers... Okay. Do you wear rings? No. Okay. Okay. Because in hand wash studies, that's where all the stuff hides is under the ring, right? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, eat your sauerkraut. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Bless you. The next caller is coming from the 908 area code. Hi, Susan. It's Dorothy from New Jersey. Uh, I am calling because I also have an eye thing going on, like your friend. And um, I looked for some chickweed. I don't think it's actually really sprouting out here yet, although... And here's where. where New Jersey, it seems like it would be if you have it in New York. Uh Are you looking in gardens? Well, I have my my garden, but it doesn't have it. I don't know why. It it should, I guess. But um, where I have found it in the past is like in between the, um, you know, the sidewalk and the street. That little section, yeah, 
yep, and yep. I was it's wondering, nice. like, I always think if it's there, is it okay to use, like, is it is it not contaminated by whatever, you know, the edge of the road sort of thing? So what would it be contaminated with? I don't know. Exhaust, flying onto it all the time. Okay, so what's in exhaust? Mm, I don't know. Right. So it's best, I find, to keep my fears and concerns based in reality. The primary (laughs) exhaust gas that's coming out of cars is carbon monoxide. Right. Carbon monoxide will kill you if you lay in the road and breathe enough of it, but actually the plants like it and it makes them healthy. Oh, okay. Don't you notice that the roadside plants sometimes seem much healthier? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I say to people who say, oh, well, you know, this grows here and I'm not so sure about the, you know, the quality. I say, oh, you're worried about the quality of the air. I take it you don't breathe. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I know. That's true. I'm breathing the same air. You are breathing the same air. Yeah. Certainly in times past when lead was in gasoline. Yeah. Could be there could be lead from the tailpipe. At this point, about the only gasolines that have lead are run by tractors on organic farms. Mm. Okay. So you're more likely to get exhaust contamination in your organic produce than you are from a roadside plant. <laughs> Okay, well, that's great to know. Yeah, I'm very cavalier Um, about picking things beside the road. Um, Certainly if I see, you know, any evidence that chemicals have been sprayed there and people say, well, how can you tell? I say, well, the plants are brown and dead. (laughs) Then I'm, you know, then I'm not going to harvest from where chemicals have been sprayed. And I keep an eye out in my local area for where that's going on. And there's very specific places, you know, My in my uh, county, they mostly cut, but there are some, um, you know, like roadside uh, metal rails, and they can't cut there, so they spray there. Oh, okay. So that, you know, that kind of thing. You keep your eye out. You'll see what's going on. You'll see the patterns, and you'll say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, those areas and the ones nearby them are the ones where I'm not going to pick, and these areas are the areas where they cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's, you know, that's the same thing. We were out, you know, harvesting um, seaweed at uh, Botanicals on the Beach last year. And people said to Ryan, said, wow, Ryan, what about the ocean? And Ryan, ocean said, Ryan said, people dump all, all kinds of stuff in the ocean. And when you're going to harvest seaweed, you better know where that sewage outlet is mm-hmm. how the, and how the, the water moves. Right. Right. So it's true anytime we're harvesting anything. Mm-hmm. That yes, we do need to be aware of what's going on in the environment and how we are relating to that, as well as the plants. How the plants are relating to that. Mm-hmm. Those are those are excellent concerns. On the other hand, I thought you said this was for external use. It is. It is. Well, I mean, for my so that's all been kind of really beside the point, isn't it? Um, well, we're not yeah, talking some contaminant that is going to leap from the plant into your eye. Mhm. So you mean it? If it's external, it's even less. 
Yes, uh, exactly. Okay. 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 Um, so also likes to grow in planter boxes. Like if there, if you're in a cityscape and there's trees yeah. with like little fences around them, that's a favorite place for chickweed to grow. I almost always see it in cities. I mean, I know you always say that, and I definitely looked in all my planter boxes. <laughs> I don't have it. I don't know why. You need to call I it. Need to pray. You need to call yes. it and tell it you want it to come and be with you, and it will. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the meantime, do you have any other ideas for it's? It's not an infection. Like it's it's itching and it's got some matter coming out of it. You know, it's it's bothering me, but it's not like a serious serious thing. Take a potato and grate it on the finest side of your grater so mm-hmm. that it's not even pieces. It's almost like puree, right? Yeah. And either put that potato, moist potato puree on your closed eye or wrap it up in some thin cloth and place that on your eye. Okay. Okay. All right. That sounds easy enough. All right. Yay, potato. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. It, I have another question that's about the coronavirus, but I don't want to keep you. If you fail, you need to move on. I can ask it next time. Well, I don't know. Let's ask Rebecca and Catherine. How many people have their hand raised? We have, what, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes? There's still six people. So, so we um, should go on. Thank you for being yeah. willing to call back another day. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Susan. Take care. We have seven. Okay. Let's see what we can do. All right. Two zero five is in waiting. From the two zero five. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey. Um, I have a question about potentially getting a CAT scan. Um, I have had a pain underneath my rib for about a year and a half, maybe. And I went to the doctor last year, and um, she suggested for me to get a ultrasound and then an MRI. I didn't have health insurance at the time. I did get the ultrasound, and they didn't find anything. And um, I never side is the pain, that. please. Do what? Which side is it? All it's the on, way across your ribs on both sides, or is it just on one side? I feel it on the left a lot, but it does happen on both sides. And then in the past maybe week, I've started to feel little bits of. I don't even know if I would describe it as pain because it feels more like alerts. If that makes sense, it's not excruciating or anything. It's just very, like, evident. Um, It's on the left, it's on the right. And then in the past week, I don't know if it's because of my nervousness about it, but I felt a few, like, similar feelings in the rest of my abdomen. Um, And basically my question is I'm nervous about getting the CT scans because they want me to get two in one session. Um, I'm nervous about the radiation from them, and I'm also... Um, have not had children. So what's your worst case scenario? I'm scared that it's cancer, to be frank. Okay. Because so let's see. 
if it was cancer, one of the characteristics of cancer is that it grows, yes? Yes. And you said you've had this pain for how long now? Like a year and a half to maybe year and maybe a half. Two years. So mm-hmm. over the past year and a half, if it was cancer, the cancer would have grown and the pain would have gotten worse and worse and worse. Is that what has happened? It's gotten, I mean, from initially from two years ago or a year and a half ago, when it was a super subtle thing, it is a little bit different and it has gotten a little worse, but not anything like it's never gotten insanely painful. Mm-hmm. The doubling rate of the cancer can be quite various. For instance, breast cancer, the usual doubling rate is about once every hundred days which means in a year and a half that the cancer would have doubled and then doubled again, so now it's four times bigger, and then doubled again, so now it's eight times bigger, and then doubled again, so it would be 16 times bigger than it would have been a year and a half ago. Do you think that's true? Mm, I don't think it's 16 times worse, no. No, I don't think so either. So you're willing to damage your body, expose your body to great amounts of radiation because you have a fear that you might have cancer. Well, I'm not, I'm not wanting to, um, I guess why I'm calling. They want, I said willing. I don't want to be willing to. (laughs) Um, They know. I don't want to. It's why I put it off for so long. Don't go to the doctor about something like this in the first place. If you had cancer, what would you do? Would you do radiation? Would you do chemotherapy? Would you do surgery? Uh, there's certain I'd probably maybe do surgery. My mom has cancer, so I've seen what she's gone through and I don't want to go through that. So I probably wouldn't get radiation. You um, probably wouldn't get radiation. So but you are getting radiation if you do a CAT scan. Yeah, and that's what scares me because I also haven't had kids, and I don't want like that to mess anything up in that area either because they want me to get it on my abdomen and my chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, and it's one of the things that I talk about in Abundantly Well. We come to step one, which is the step after step zero. So it's the second okay. medicine, which is? Story medicine. We want a story. There's some discomfort. You want a story. So you go to the doctors. The doctors don't want to give you a story until you agree to do their high tech tests. Right. And last year she That told is me not that... the only story going. Okay. Have you asked yourself what is going on here? Have you sat in meditation and said to your body, could you please give me some indication of how alarmed I should be about this? Yes, and I've, a little bit. I could do more work in that area, and it's been kind of back and forth in me trying to get in touch with it and then me being like letting fear seep in. Also, when it comes to the fact that, you know, my mom has cancer and then also. What kind of cancer does I've your mom been, have? She has uh, brain cancer. She has glioblastoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so far as I know, that's not inheritable. Do what? So far as I know, that kind of cancer is not inheritable. Yeah, and that you know. So what's the association that you're making between your mom having cancer and the possibility of you uh, having cancer is non-existent. Well, 
my my association with it is more so about my emotions maybe coming you know uh coming out in a physical way uh and then also I was in a abusive relationship years ago and I've thought about maybe those two things kind of just uh manifesting through pain in my in my stomach you know around kind of the that's where my anxiety comes from I notice so stomach this is the first time that you've said that word I thought that this was uh, under your rib cage it is it's like my rib cage but I guess directly underneath that is um my stomach <laughs> so I don't know just that region of kind of well if you it take your hand and you put your hand on your sternum on your breastbone right okay and slide it down to where the breastbone ends yes okay that's your stomach right there okay so right in between underneath that is your gut okay and it's true that many people in our culture mistake their stomach for their guts yeah, so maybe my their stomach, or you know, call the area that's th- their intestines their stomach, right? Which it's not. So, okay. my sense is that, and what I have seen a great many times, is that people have a fear about something, it's kind of an, maybe even an unspoken fear. They don't even really know what it is. They go to the doctor. They want a diagnosis. The doctor says, I can't give you a diagnosis unless you agree to do these tests. They do the tests, and the diagnosis is, we can't tell you what the diagnosis is because the test wasn't good enough. And, of course, you can't ever tell anybody they don't have cancer, can you? Sure. Yeah, it can be minute. Can only tell you that you do have cancer, but they cannot tell you that you don't have cancer. I see. Yeah. Right. Yes. And most people don't really think that. They think, oh, I'll go and get the cat test, and then they can tell me if I don't have cancer or not. They won't do that. They won't ever do that. Right. So if you're hoping to put your fear to rest, I'm telling you that you are embarking on a path which is going to exacerbate your fear. It's okay. going to make your fear worse and worse because okay. they're afraid too. Right. And so they are going to treat you as though the worst possible thing was going to happen. Right. And that's not going to be good for your health. Right. It ha- Yeah, it's definitely not made me feel Have you had a massage? Yeah, I used to. I I actually was in a spa for a long time and I got massages. If you've had this month. pain, have you had a massage? Mhm. Pretty regularly. And what does the massage therapist say? Um, I guess we don't really. I don't talk about it with them necessarily. The diaphragm, which is the muscle that allows us to breathe, attaches to the bottom of the rib cage. Okay. Generally, when there is pain at the base of the rib cage and it's not focused on one side, but it is on both sides, it is usually a spasm or um, inflammation in the breathing muscle. Yeah, that makes sense. And another thing that I I noticed is um, 
sometimes when I get in certain, and maybe it's because it's inflamed, but when I've gotten in certain, like one time in yoga, it felt like something kind of like moved in that area or something. But I could see that still being maybe inflammation and just kind of something like that. I'm not sure what you mean when you say something moved. Your body is supposed to be movable. It felt like something underneath my ribs kind of moved out of place a little bit and then went back when I was in a certain position. I hear you. Probably not, but I certainly hear that you had that sensation. Okay. So So what do you think I should do? So what what I'm saying is that I believe that what you're experiencing is a muscle spasm. Okay. And I wonder about the massage. Perhaps you need a different massage therapist who would actually be working with you to help you with what's going on rather than just um, giving you the standard issue massage. And perhaps rather than an MD, you would like to see a osteopath. Osteopath? Yes, osteopaths are especially trained in working with the tissues that connect other tissues to the body. Okay. I'll write that down. Yeah. And most places there is an osteopath or more available to you. You might have to do a little sleuthing to find that osteopath, but you should be able to find that. And I think that they will not require you to have high-tech diagnosis. Okay. And one of the things that I have found effective is especially if you've made an appointment to do something or kind of strung the medical uh, profession out to think that you were going to do something, is to say to them, you know, I just need to put off doing that MRI for a while or I need to put off doing that CAT scan for a while. Right. And they usually don't have a problem with the idea that you're putting it off. Okay. It's not as confrontational as saying, I'm not going to do your bad word, bad word test. Right. Right? Okay. Okay. Is there any specific, okay, I'm sorry, go ahead. So are you drinking nourishing herbal infusions? I am, but not consistently and I will try to that start sounds doing like, that sounds like a good idea. Is your diet limited in any way? Um here in the past couple of weeks, uh it's not limited in any way. In the past couple of weeks I've been eating mainly pescatarian and then I eat red meat uh at least once a week. Mm-hmm. And that vegetarian diet, the vegetables are well-cooked. Yes, vegetables well-cooked, greens, um, fish, cool. and then like red meat once a week for hemoglobin and just protein and stuff. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds great. Uh, the, I, I, my sense of what's going on here is that there's... Um, A disturbance at a deep level between your belly and your heart. Yeah, that makes sense. And that your body is tightening up and tensing up to create a barrier between the belly and the heart. Because that's what the diaphragm is, right? Wow, yeah. So the breathing exercise that we have, the apprentices do, it's rather complicated, but not beyond telling you, is you lay on your back mm-hmm. and you breathe in through your mouth 
And then as you exhale, you count one, two. And then you let that go. And you breathe in through your mouth, and then you exhale and count one, two, three, four, and you let that go. And you do that all the way up to ten. And if you feel that you can go further, then you do up to ten, and then you start one, two again. You never get beyond ten. But you can do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I can do ten sets of ten on a single breath. Okay. What this does is to train you to exhale. Yeah, and I've I've had to definitely work on that in my life because I used to hold my breath a long time ago. Yeah. When so I this, this is uh, part of that. You are holding your breath. Okay. All right. Let's see if we can talk to a few other people, and you're certainly welcome to call back at a future time, but I think you've got some stuff that you can work with now. Okay, thank you so much, Susan. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye. Okay, the next caller is coming from the 352 area code. Hello? Hi, what's up tonight? We only have five minutes. Yes, ma'am. I just, oh, my goodness. This probably was the most incredible podcast yet. And since you only have two or three minutes, let's just end it with that. And I'll talk. I'll I'll call it next week. Green blessings. Good night. Thank you. That was an awesome podcast. Good night. Good night. Next caller is coming from the seven three two area code. Um, hello, Susan. Hi. Hi. I was uh, looking through the bags of herbs I have, and I realized someone had given me. A bag of strawberry leaf uh, from Frontier Co-op, and I have no idea what to do with it, so I thought I'd ask you. The leaves of everything in the rose family and strawberries in the rose family are astringent. Okay. Um, so I could wash maybe like my face with it. You could wash your face with it. You could, the strawberry leaves are pretty mild astringent, so you could drink it. You know, usually it's mixed in with other herbs to make tea blends, right? Well, I, uh, you're asking for my comment. I actually now, read I that you, you could make <laughs> toothpaste with it. That's what native people here used to do with it, is uh, make toothpaste with it. I never can collect okay. enough of it. I, but not with the dried strawberry leaf. It was only fresh that's used for the teeth. Oh, okay. okay. I assumed it was dry. I tried but, okay. They didn't have any concept of toothpaste. Right. But they would generally use what most people around the world use oh, they... is a, a chew stick in sumac, which grows widely mm-hmm. across North America. It was the favorite chew stick, and, of course, it has some uh, antibacterial compounds. But um, both strawberries and strawberry leaves are known for whitening the teeth and brightening the smile, but it has to be fresh. Mm. Mm. No, these these are dried. I tried making a straight infusion with it, and it was very um, well astringent. But it 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 tasted like raspberry leaves that were kind of like consolidated. It was just very very strong. Yes, raspberries yeah. also in the rose family. Y- yes, but much more pleasant tasting I feel than the strawberry leaves. 
There you go. <laughs> okay, well, I'll find things maybe externally to experiment and use them for. Thank you. You're welcome. Creed blessings. Good night. Good night. Let's see if we can slide one more caller in here, Rebecca. Okay, coming from the 845 area code. Hi, this is Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Good to hear your voice. I heard something. I don't know. Uh, I came in the middle, but uh, you say we can't eat fruit and vegetables raw? You can eat anything you want to. I said you can't get any nutrition from them if you eat them raw. Really? I, I mean, nothing on this planet eats raw food. Oh, lots of people think that that vegetables not are... lots, a few people. Oh, it's not lots; it's a few. Well, all my life, I there ate. are also a few people who think the world is flat, and there are also a few people who think that the sun travels around the earth. So you mean I I should cook my vegetables? Only if you want to get nutrition from them. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm eating them, no? Well, that's why I cook my vegetables, because I am eating them for nutrition. Including fruits? I can't eat like a... You can eat anything you want to, but apple pie and cherry cobbler Mm. are going to get you nutrition, and a raw apple won't. Oh, Well, I'm stunned. I actually There's called not the a lot of nutrition in fruit. The primary thing we get from fruit is fiber. So eating raw fruit gets you the fiber. That's not a problem. And it's pleasurable. But if you want any of the vitamins or any of the minerals in that fruit, then it needs to be cooked. Cooking can be the application of heat for a significant length of time. Cooking can be freezing. Cooking can be dehydrating. Cooking can be fermenting. And cooking can be covering in oil. Those are the five ways there are to cook. So if they are frozen, they're already cooked? Correct. Oh, my God. I have to cook my strawberries and raspberries and blueberries. Oh my God. Do anything. Oh. It's your choice. You can eat fiber but no nutrition, or you can cook them and get fiber and nutrition. Your choice. I always thought that if we cook it, the 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 vitamins get uh, actually altered and burned out and no good. I ask you a question which most people can't answer. What plant contains vitamin A? Uh, I don't know much about it. None. There's no plant that contains vitamin A. They contain carotenes. The longer a plant is cooked, the more carotenes there are. Therefore, the longer the plant is cooked, the more vitamin A it will have. B vitamins, it is true, are water-soluble. B vitamins are primarily found in beans and rice. Are you suggesting you're going to eat your beans and rice raw? No, Well, you're going to cook your beans and rice, and guess what? The B vitamins are right there in them because they absorb the water, and B vitamins are water-soluble. The only way to destroy B vitamins is to cook it in a pressure cooker. So long as you're not cooking your beans or your rice in a pressure cooker, they've got B vitamins. Vitamin C is killed by heat, time, light, water. Anything destroys it. You know, if you're really want vitamin C and your daily need of vitamin C is between 40 and 60 milligrams or about the amount in one dandelion leaf, then chew on some weed. Vitamin D is made from the sun. Vitamin E 
is found primarily, again, in seeds like grains and beans, which we are obviously going to cook. So I have taken a bit of time here to show you that there is no vitamin that you are going to lose by cooking. That's that's the biggest news in my life at the age of 78. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to have to say green blessings so that I can introduce Reverend Ann Zapp. We are so excited to have Reverend Ann Zapp with us. She, along with her husband, Matthew Kent, founded the Multicultural Peyote Way Church of God in southeast Arizona in the Arapavai Valley. Probably mispronounced that, but she'll do it right for us. Reverend Zapp has spent the last 40 years advocating and promoting religious tolerance as well as encouraging people to make ecologically enlightened lifestyle choices. And Zapp teaches and advises various organizations and individuals in the United States, Europe, and Asia. She was born and raised in Philadelphia in a prominent musical family, and she's also an accomplished singer. I want to hear her sing. That's going to be quite a treat sometime when I'm in Arizona. She attended Colorado State University and received a Bachelor of Science in Zoology. She and Matthew have three grown children, and the two of them trained with Master Potter Emmanuel Mana Truejo, who created the nationally acclaimed Mana Pottery which is on display at the Smithsonian Museum Institute of Native American Art, as well as a wonderful peyote tile, which is on my altar given to me, because I knocked it off the table and saved it from being broken. But Matthew said, ah, it's chosen you. Welcome to the show, Anne. So I'm not seeing the number she gave me in the queue. If you're here, Anne, will you please press 1 so I can put you through? Oh, dear. You know, we just had um, a daylight savings time change. And Arizona Arizona doesn't do daylight savings time, so she might not be synced up with our time. Hi, this is Annie and the Peyote Way Church of God. Please leave a message or contact us by email at peyoteway at gmail.com. Thanks. Bye. Hey, I'd rather contact you psychically than by email or by phone. Oh, Annie, Annie, it's Susan Weed. We are so eager to have you on the show and wondering if uh, maybe you didn't know that we just did a little time flicker out here with Daylight Savings Time. So we're a little differently offset uh, time-wise from you than we were last week. Green blessings. We will have to reschedule Anne unless she calls in. And And she said Annie on the answering machine, didn't she? She did. She did. I thought I remembered it as Annie. Because we were talking about her because I got to hear a presentation of hers when I was at in Tucson. Yeah, that's how how I found out about her. It sparked my curiosity. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, I will open the line back up to callers if anybody has a question. I know that there were a couple people hanging out, but I think that they um, hung up and called back in. So if you have a question, please press 1. And let's see what we got here. All right. The, there's a caller coming from the 43, 423 area code. Hello. Hi. Hey, Susan. Um, I get really bad cold sores on my mouth, and so I was wondering what I could use to eliminate those. I normally buy Breva, which is a medication, so I was hopeful for something more herbal. Mhm, mhm. There's two two herbs that have been really um, widely tested and shown to be able to get rid of cold sores, herpes sores. One is lemon balm, Melissa officinalis, and the other one is Saint John's Wort. I call it Saint Joan's Wort, Hypericum perforatum. Okay, and do I make those into like a salve, or do I just like? Usually, you would buy it already made up into a salve because you'd have to wait six weeks if you okay. brought it to make okay. a salve. Okay. Um, it's not easy to do really quickly. So, a lemon balm salve is generally available for sale because it has um, shown itself to be so effective against cold sores and herpes sores, leading some people to believe that drinking lemon balm would do the same thing, but it doesn't, unfortunately. It's just... Okay just external that it works. The St. Jones wort, however, the hypericum, um, you can buy as an oil. I prefer to a salve. A salve usually is an oil that's been thickened with beeswax. And that, especially with a herpes sore, can actually damage it a little bit and make it a little worse. So I do like, if I do get a salve, like a lemon balm salve, then I liquefy it between my fingers before I put it onto the sore. Okay, so like heat it up, kind of. Yeah, just rub it between your fingers until it's like nice and oily again, right? I I say this because I suggested to someone who had very bad shingles um, that she try hypericum oil on the shingles, and she couldn't remember that I had said oil, so she got a salve, and it just like took took the skin off of her ribs. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it was just... I mean, she was, like, bleeding. She said, oh, look at – I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. And I looked at it, and it was the beeswax, of course, that was just, like, sloughing the skin off. And I went out and got her some oil, and then we just dripped the oil on, and, of course, the skin started to repair and remained intact. It's all trial and error at times. So thank you, though, for letting me know that. And then um, – And my, my friend good. Marie um, used to take hypericum oil and put a lot of beeswax with it and pour it into a little uh, lip – um, balm twisters, right? So that you could carry a chapstick of hypericum with you. I will have to do that because, like, I get them, I guess, when the weather changes. I think that they happen when your immune system drops or something like that. So I know that spring's coming around. And Another spring is coming around, right? They're, they often come with the seasons, and most people before the cold sore actually erupts get a little, like, tingle or a little uh-huh. sensation there. And that's yeah. the time to start using that hypericum chapstick, right? Okay. 
all right, I will do it, and I will let you know. I'll probably order it tonight, and then it still may take it a minute to get here, so I may have to use it on the next one, but they <laughs> okay. just continue to come back. So, anyways, thank you so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 352 area code. Hi, Susan. I just called. I have a question um, about arthritis. Okay. In my right ankle, I, I had two surgeries before I was 10 years old, and I've had a constant problem with it. And as of now, and I'm plus 55, my right calf, which is above that ankle, is half the size of my left calf. And I would like to know about building muscle in that. Are you saying that the surgeries that you had to your ankle caused the muscle of that calf to wither? I I I wonder. However, I did suffer a severe MRSA infection. <laughs> I was going to say I the only time I've really seen that happen is from a MRSA infection. Well, there you have it. Because it eats the muscle away and it doesn't come back. And it was already weak from that ankle surgery to begin with. Yeah. And it was actually to be Susan. I had the MRSA infection was in my right first um, index finger when I was oystering. I was oystering. Um, I was an oyster woman for a while there, and I got Vibrio in my right index finger. Darn. And and, and I was inflamed the size of a golf ball. And, uh. um, so they were like, we're going to take your finger off. Well, the whole island was infected with this MRSA. So I just like, it's not brain surgery. Don't take my finger off, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I woke up with my finger, and then it took, you know, it was an open, huge wound, but it took me like five years. Any, any, like, you know, like I was shucking oysters once, and I got a tiny little nick on my cheek, and my whole face blew up with Vibrio. And, again, I've been drinking nourishing herbal infusions since you wrote your first book. Thank you. And those kinds of infections linger. They wreak. Uh, they big, really, so really. I haven't had one for, for six years. I have not had any, any because since I left the island, moved yep. to Nashville. There you okay, go. Not in that environment. Right. However, my right calf is half the size of my left. It doesn't feel any less strong. I was so, going to say, is it, really is, a it, problem? is it a problem? Because uh-huh. so far other as I know, it, at least it, in the cases, than, situations that I've Susan, seen, really what the problem muscle is, really is, is that it, in a way, it's not like there's some defect in the muscle. It's just not there. It's not there, and it wiggles around like I have a five-month-old baby in that cast. Oh, weird. <laughs> You know, when I injured my uh, right wrist in Costa Rica and then babied it for a while, uh, the muscle under my thumb, if you open your hand and look at your hand, you see there's a big muscle under your thumb. And that muscle on my right hand is now about half the size of the one on my left hand, just from my not using that hand for about six weeks. 
I I'm I I hear you. And I it's work really like hard with that hand now. I milk, I rake, I do all kinds of things. It's not coming back. It went to wherever and muscle goes to, and it's not coming back. And so I just have to say, okay, well, you look a little like, you know, kind of weird and wasted because the rest of my hand is plump and healthy looking, and here's like this. Right. Kind of <laughs> right. You just have to like say, it's okay, I love you. Right. you know? It's okay, we love you. You're right. <laughs> However, I now listen. I listen to you all the time, and for and ever, and I always want to try to come up with a question that you would have an answer to that I already don't know about, which I do know, which you're going to tell me. I can, I do control those that that jumpy baby thing in my in the calf with that hypericum. Great tincture. I do, and when I don't do that, and then I'm like, and then I'm listening to you, like, and here's my foot's jumping around, like just. It does work. I just wanted to call with something because everything you tell me to do, I mean, I just listen to your podcast. I'm like, I got it. I've been reading your books for 100 years. You're, uh, thank you so much for your time. And I just thought to get back in the queue because your guest was late. <laughs> late, yes. I think that she's on Arizona time, and we just pulled a fast one on her. So we're just going to let this right leg be thinner than the left leg. It's like uh, they're like not identical twins. We're just going to have to, to, you know, love them being different. Yep. Right. (laughs) Thank you. And out and hi, Pericum. Thanks, Susan. Green blessings. Thank you. Good night. Good, Good night. Did I hear you say something, Rebecca? Nope, she's not here, so we're just going to keep going down the list of callers, and then I do have email question if it comes to that, but there's a couple callers with their hands raised okay. still. So. All right, the next caller is coming from the 541 area code. Is it me? Hello? It's you, yes. Okay. Um, well, guys, I have a quick question. I had all of these amazing herbs given to me by someone who just sort of gave up on trying to do things with herbs, which I was, I was blessed by, but I was a little disappointed. They, <laughs> they didn't stick with it. Um, but I got something given to me that is, I, I'm, I'm wondering about this product. So I got a lot of mountain rose herbs, but the one I'm questioning is, um, there's actually three. This one called, it actually just says bulk supplements on it, but I want to know what you have to say about it. And this particular one is a dandelion root extract. And that's what it, that's all it says on the ingredients, but it says bulk supplements on the front. And there's also one that's a dandy blend, and it has um, on the ingredients, it has extracts of roasted barley, rye, chicory root, dandelion root and sugar beet and it just feels different than using the normal herbs that I use and I'm wondering what you know about or just what you have to say about what an extract is or if that's if it is more like a supplement or you know how safe it is many manufacturers who sell herbs label them as supplements because the supplement industry worked extremely hard to make sure that no law was ever passed that would require a supplement to actually contain what the label says. 
Okay. So if you sell a supplement, it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And there is no oversight body of any kind. Right. Okay. So manufacturers will label herbs as supplements so that they are free from legal repercussions. Okay. Well, so so whether or not it's a supplement is kind of a, a, a you know neither here nor there. I think the broader definition of a supplement is anything that isn't food is a supplement. So that would certainly make them supplements in that way. We tend to think of supplements as being vitamin and mineral pills. But if you go into a supplement store, you will see that there are hundreds of other things in there, right? Besides mm-hmm. vitamins and minerals. So similarly, extract is a rather indefinite word. Mm-hmm. If you grind coffee and then pour hot water through it, you have made a coffee extract. Okay. Extract is sometimes used as a coy way of not saying tincture. Mm-hmm. The dandy blend, I know, and it's a wonderful thing. It's for people who don't want to drink coffee but want to drink something herbal instead. Yeah. So, and and these are. So it's so not supposed to be. Different. It's not supposed to be a medicinal herb. It's supposed to be a beverage. Okay. And it is. According to people who drink coffee, I don't. So I've never drunk Dandy Blend because why would I want to drink something that's supposed to taste like something I don't drink anyhow? Because I don't <laughs> like the way it tastes. <laughs> but, according, but according to people who do drink coffee, Dandy Blend is a really good substitute. Okay. And um, Peter Gale, who developed it, uh, is no longer with us. I miss him a lot. I think his daughter is carrying on with the Dandy Blend. And uh, that's wonderful, and it's certainly getting dandelion and chicory into a great many people. And those usually are summer dug roots because they're sweeter at that point, and they're sliced and roasted, um, which is also a process called malting. Mm -hmm. When you take sugars that are present in plants, like barley, right? And you roast mm-hmm. it. The Another word for that is malting. You have malted it. Beer is made with malted grain, which simply means it's roasted grain. And, you know, Mr. Guinness over-malted his grain. He roasted it until it was burned. But being a Scotsman, so the story goes, he turned it into beer anyhow, and thus Guinness stout. Awesome. Right, which is black and very, very sweet because of the the amount of malt, the starch in the grain. Right, the starch in the roots turns to sugar during the roasting, so it becomes sweeter. Okay. So in the dandy blend, it's not being promoted as a supplement in any way. It's being promoted as a, a coffee replacement, and it might be healthier for you than drinking coffee, although coffee has certainly redeemed itself in the past five years. And mm-hmm. uh, it's an extract only in that the plants have been roasted and then at the very least ground. And I actually do not, I have not delved deeply enough into it to know how dandelion is made, but in some instances, um, the roasted root 
uh, might be ground and brewed or extracted and then that freeze-dried or dehydrated and then that used to to make the product. Again, I'm not saying that that's how it's done. I really don't know. Yeah. But, well, yeah, but that's I, something yeah. that you can find out about. And yeah. so I know what the texture is and what's that. Now, the first product that you mentioned, is it a pill? Is it a liquid? It's. I, I haven't even opened it. I, I, was, I, I mean, I'm really not necessarily called to utilize it, necess- you know, but I wanted to ask about it just in case. Um, it is a powder, and it's in like a, about a half a pound pouch. And that's it. And then it just says dandelion root extract. <laughs> that's about okay. it. Okay. And it's pretty. So um, that's big. quite interesting. So if you opened mm-hmm. it up, you would be able to tell primarily by the color what had okay. been done to it. You look at the dandy blend, it's very dark, right? Right. Because roasting those roots darkens them. Okay. So if this is just ground dandelion root, it will be a, a light brown color, color, not a dark color. Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to know what they meant by extract, I would just get in touch with the manufacturer. I would say I have some of your dandelion root extract, and I'm a little unclear as to what I actually have here. Is it really the dandelion root, or have you actually extracted it in some way? Okay, great. Awesome. That's very Yeah, helpful. somebody gave me a little, you know, single cup serving of um, honey vanilla yogurt. <laughs> Being the kind of person that I am, while I ate it, I read the ingredients and there was no honey in it and there was no vanilla in it. <laughs> and right. I called the manufacturer and I said, I'm sitting here eating your honey vanilla yogurt, which has a picture of a vanilla bean and a picture of a honeybee. On it, and it's called honey vanilla yogurt, but there's neither honey nor vanilla in it. And they said, "No, well, it doesn't have to be. We just like those words." Well, that's, I know. Yeah, I'm a big ingredient reader for that reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was just flabbergasted. I was like, "You mean you really?" Really, the food laws in the United States allow you to call this honey vanilla yogurt without putting any honey? They said, yeah. Yeah, it's not a problem. I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah, that's so interesting. Oh, well, that's cool. So it looks to me, if I may opine, that the person who gave you this stuff um, wasn't getting into herbs because getting into herbs means going outside and spending time with the plants. Right. Yeah. That was, I mean, I, I gladly took them from, she gave me, she gave me so many great things. I got like ah. a pound of, and a pound of mullen and I was going, you don't want these. <laughs> All right. Hey. You know? So I got a lot of good stuff, but there was a couple of strange things. There's a couple of oddities among them. Yeah. Well, you know. Right. I, you know, it's always fun I to ask about them before I passed them on or before I did anything. And then I've always been a little curious about the dandy blend because um, it does seem kind of freeze-dried. And I think one of the main thoughts that I've had, too, is I, I don't know if you've ever mentioned freeze-drying before, but, like, I would think that it might not be as nutritive if it's freeze-dried or 
you know, then obviously getting it out of the ground. It may it's not supposed be. to be more nutritive. It's supposed to be more nutritive if it, if it is freeze-dried? Is that- well, this revolves back to the theme that has come up over and over again tonight, which is you cannot get any nutrition from a raw plant. Okay, I just didn't know what the freeze-dried process I, I mean, I know, like, drying slowly, but I didn't know if, like, so like what it's they, kind of... So what they do is they hot, liquefy hot. what they're mm-hmm. going to freeze-dry. So if they're going to freeze-dry nettle or dandelion, then they liquefy it somehow. So you'd make a nettle infusion, you'd make a dandelion infusion. And then that liquid is shot through a nozzle into a very cold space where it instantly freezes into a granular powder. Mhm. And that's okay. it's freeze dried. Do what about um? It's like actually a pretty benign thing. There was a time, maybe twenty years back, and they may even still be doing it. I'm not in touch with the with these herbalists um, much. <laughs> I guess we don't wind up at the same conferences. Um, but I went to a, a workshop by a, a West Coast herbalist who basically was just freeze drying all the herbs that he used. Yeah. And he just felt that freeze-drying was like the wave of the future for herbal medicine, that everything should be (laughs) freeze-dried. And, you know, um, the people at Eclectic Institute were certainly part of that freeze-dried thing, and they developed a freeze-dried nettle. Oh. And a a lot of studies have shown that that freeze-dried nettle is superior to help people overcome allergies. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they again, remember, freezing <laughs> and drying are two methods of cooking. They're two of the five methods of cooking. Yeah. Heat for a sufficient length of time, freezing, drying, fermenting, and covering in oil. So freeze-dry, anytime you use one of these techniques, you get more nutrients. You use two of them, you get lots more nutrients. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay. And again, everybody tells me Dandy Blend tastes good. If that's what you, if that's the taste you like, I don't like coffee, so it doesn't appeal. Yeah, it's it, I. Every once in a while, I, I sweetheart likes coffee, and if I sit with him, I like to, I tend to drink it, but I don't actually want to drink it all the time. So, <laughs> so I'll have a coffee substitute. Dandy Blend I, to the rescue! Yay! Yay! <laughs> well, thank you. You are welcome. Thanks for calling. What fun questions. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Take care. (laughs) Green blessings. Green blessings. Catherine, how has your evening of um, the blog talk show been? It's been fantastic, Susan. You are such a blessing. I learn so much every time. Isn't that great? Do you think Um, you will be able to do what Rebecca's done tonight? Do you think that's going to be a problem? I will live up to Rebecca the best I can. Well, actually, this part part of the job is the easiest part of it, Catherine. Just saying, you know, the caller from this thing and da-da-da. What, as you can see, what really requires some... Technologically wise, yes. getting the people who I am going to be talking to for the last half hour and reminding them and getting them on the right time frame and all of that, you will find that that is, what would you say, Rebecca, that that's 75% of the work? Yeah, scheduling the guests and getting, um, and and just figuring that whole part out and getting all the information. It takes a, it takes a lot of um, 
follow through and uh, persistence. And I have some <laughs> exciting people that are. I have people that really would love to spend time with Susan. So we'll goody, be looking good, forward goody. to that. And as that you can see, the, even when wants to be here, it's easy for them to somehow get confused about the time. So there, oh, that, we'll get, that, get that's, that's a, a, a lot of uh, of the work that you'll be doing, Catherine. And we're so excited and happy to have you step up into this new position as part of the Wise Woman team. And Rebecca, you are always part of the Wise Woman team, even if we're not going to be hearing your voice every week. And maybe now and then you'll call in just to give us a kiss. Yeah, I look forward to it. And it sounds like, you know, if uh, Catherine needs backup, I can be available as well. So we uh, will be in touch in um, any time. You have a question, yes. Catherine, but we'll be talking. Bouncing mm-hmm. ideas off of you, Rebecca. You were <laughs> such a wonderful uplift when I would listen for years. And uh, I just feel like I know you in my heart somehow from that. And Susan as well. Mm-hmm. These these radio shows are a wonderful way for folks to learn. And yeah. I, I'm always mm-hmm. amazed with, with what I take in. And I'll listen several times throughout my week. So I have chores ah. or things that are a bit mundane to do. You turn it on and you can always hear some new things from Susan. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone who joined us. Thank you, thank you both for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Green blessings, everybody who's listening. We'll be back next week. Good night. Yeah, and I just want to say thank you to all the people that wrote me, too, and said, you know, that they'll be missing my presence. I really appreciate getting uh, all the notes, and it's been really nice to to feel, you know, like <laughs> I've been, like, a valuable part. So, yeah. You have, thank Rebecca. You so much. Extremely valuable. It's been such a huge process of my growth, like being on the show and finding my own voice. And, yeah, it's great. So it's so empowering. So thank you, Susan. And, yeah, we'll be talking soon. Have a great night, everyone. Green Green blessings. Good night, everybody.